This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. Though, starting things out this hour, we've got a guest, as a matter of fact, uh, though it is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can uh, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, unlike those other talk show hosts on the radio that want to charge you for access to their sites. We do it for free because that's the way a good website should be. All right, so uh, we're getting uh, jumping right into the guest here. His name is Robert Menard, and uh, he is from thinkfree.ca. Now, that's not .com, it's .ca. It's a Canadian website. So thinkfree.ca. Robert Bernard, uh, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, and I'd like to confirm uh, Free Talk Live is not paying me anything. This is all free. They're cheap bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Guilty is charged. I am, uh, I am definitely a cheap bastard. But, well, I, I appreciate your invite, and I thank you for that, and it's good to be here. It was actually one of my listeners that turned, uh, turned me on to your website, Robert, and uh, they just posted a link to the video of, of, that's of you um, that you posted on Google Video, which I absorbed all hour, well, I think it was an hour and 20 minutes of it, and uh, then proceeded to explore your website. And I, I really liked what I saw, and it ties into something that we've sort of talked about on Free Talk Live over the, over the years, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's almost hard to figure out where to start with all this, is it, is it possible to maybe give a, have you give us a little bit of background of what led you to uh, creating this website or creating this organization? Sure. You're, you're good at your job, aren't you? You've done this before. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> okay, a little background about me. I grew up in a large Catholic family. Uh, my parents were very loving, very, very principled, especially my dad and my mom was one of the biggest scrappers I had ever met. Uh, I joined the military. I spent four years in the Army as an infantry soldier because I loved my country, and uh, I felt a, a certain need to stand. Uh, when I got out, I went to college, and I started studying systems and how to destroy them and make them. And then I did stand-up comedy for about ten years because I was not suited for a factory job. Right. And then I was... Uh, well, I guess you want to know how I came to find the path I'm on. Is that what you're asking, really? Yeah, absolutely, because then we have to talk about what that path is, but there's certainly a, a backstory here, and I think it's kind of important. I had, uh, I had started a company. I was trying to market a product uh, so I could make enough money to finance my own comedy show. Uh, I had just bought a new computer, and I was new to the Internet, and I was addicted to it, and I was chatting. There came a day I was chatting with this woman by the name of Lily White. She was in Arizona, and we were talking a lot about God. And one night she said to me, she said, Oh, my God, I just got the strongest sensation. You're going to be called to serve God. It's going to be the most difficult thing you've ever done. I said, Why? Does he have dietary restrictions? She said, No, I'm serious. Just then I hear my neighbor coming down the stairs. My neighbor at the time, his name is Ben Cardinal. You can find him. He's an actor. If you search IMBD, you can find him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's about six foot three, uh, two hundred and fifty pounds at the time, and he, he was he had been drinking. And he told me that his spirit guide had told him to take me to the bar. I said, Ben, you're drunk. I'm not going to the bar with you. He shut off my computer, threw my jacket at me, and said, Rob, I'll knock you out and carry you if I have to. You're going to the bar with me for a beer. Okay. Oh boy. I know enough about, I mean, I had been in B.C. long enough. When a six foot three, 250-pound native guy tells you he's going to knock you out or buy you a beer, you're really much better off accepting the beer. Yeah, I, I would imagine. So we run to, the, to this bar. 
I've got another call coming in. I'll let them hold. So we have to run down to this bar. Little seedy guy that normally when I was going to the bar with him, we would saunter. He's an actor, and he says it's all about attitude, and we don't run anywhere. But this time, he's dragging me. We're running to this bar. Get in there. I just take the first sip of beer. We haven't been in there not even two minutes. I see this amazingly beautiful young woman walk by, and I just saw she was radiant. eh? She was radiant with hope. And I thought I said these words. Ben tells me he never heard them, but my ears heard them like they issued right from my own mouth. She's pregnant and in very big trouble. And right at that point, I looked around, and I saw all these people looking at her like she was neat. And I felt really sad. And it was like a great big wet sponge as big as the universe just descended on me. And then something just reached right through it and made it run away. It's kind of like if you take pepper and you put pepper on water and then put a little drop of soap in it, you see all the pepper just rush away from the soap. That's what it felt like. Okay. Some power grabbed all the love in my heart. And just right now, I'm, I'm speaking my words. Your eardrums are vibrating and you're getting a message. It grabbed the love in my heart, vibrated it, and gave me a message and said, take her child as your own. You'll be forever blessed. I looked in my, my mind's eye, and I was wondering, what, what, what are you asking? Did you want me to take the child away from her or what? And I saw in my mind my dad with my mother and me, and I realized that although I was his son, from his perspective, I was his wife's son. And I was being asked to take both and keep them together. This is, I'm, I, I'm a little bit confused at this point. I, I, this is actually a backstory I was not aware of. Is, oh, um, dude, dude, there was some serious spirit happening that day and there and you could you could verify just ask ben cardinal whether or not this happened i mean the guys you can find this was a woman that uh was just in the bar and you were you'd felt called to i guess get together with her is that what the her child essentially was the call that i got make sure this child is born Okay. And one of the things that was, because when I got this message kind of thing, and it, I mean, it weirded me out. I'm not, you know, I mean, I don't go to church or anything like that, you know. And uh, when I got this, I was asking, well, I'm still a little bit unclear. What, what do you mean by as? And then I was, I don't know, you know, I mean, it just it comes across as a feeling that I wasn't being asked to take her for my own but as my own. And I recognized that, and I said, what's the difference? And for made me think of forever, and as made me think of as long as necessary. So I, I realized right then when I said yes, and I saw this, and then I said, okie dokie. And at that <laughs> point, I ended up, I walked over to her, and uh, there was another guy, one of the wolves, one of the sharks in the bar, they, they were trying to come over to her, and I, and I almost got in a fight with this guy over her, and if it wasn't for the six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound native guy holding the pool cue, I probably would have got my ass kicked. Okay. But she ended up coming over to our table, and I told her right then, "You're pregnant. Do you know you're pregnant?" She said, "No, I'm not pregnant. I just got my my period. I'm not pregnant." I said, "You're pregnant." She said, "How do you know?" I said, "God told me." She said, "I don't believe in God." I said, "That's going to change when you find out you're pregnant." So she had no place to go. Eh? She ended up coming home with me. She found out a week later that she was, in fact, pregnant, totally cleaned up her act. At the time, she was, she was, you know, doing crack and fucking drinking, and she was in a hurting place. She totally cleaned up her act. We, we got Elizabeth born. 
two days after the birth, ministry workers come in, and because of her history, they claim that she's not a fit mom. Mm. I, well, listen, we're a family here, and she is fit. She's cleaned up. And she said, wait, and the, the woman... So you'd been was, with her. You'd been with her for these uh, the nine months or the ten months of the pregnancy, so you, 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 you would know. Eight and a half months, yeah, and I took her baby as my own in my heart. She's not my blood, but dude, love don't need blood. Mm, right. And I had taken her as my own. I was standing at the point at the time. I knew nothing about the law, but now the position is local parentis, with which means that you have made oath to take the child as your own. So what did the ministry do? They came in and they said she's not a, she's not a fit mom. We're gonna we're gonna take the kid. Here's where they messed up. And bear in mind, I'm not angry at these people. I mean, it all unfolded rather well. They were very overworked. And because of this, they filed documents in court claiming that they had investigated, that they had found a single mom with this history. Then they come to the hospital after they filed the documents. And they say, oh, well, we found this out. I say, well, you're wrong. Your documents are wrong. And I was told by the the ministry worker, well, we've already filed our documents. I find out later they committed a fraud on the court. If I had stood up in court and said, no, this is a family. There are, you know, I'm, I'm the dad here and the judge had looked at it, he would compare my words to the documents they had filed, and someone would be facing charges. Okay, so, wait, they ended up taking the baby, right? Uh, Well, I put up such a fight, I found out uh, throughout this process... All right, hang on, uh, Robert, we're going to bring you back. 800-259-9231 is the the toll-free number. We'll get into what he discovered as he looked into the law, as uh, he was in this conflict at this point with uh, DCS, essentially. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the live Saturday edition. You can take control and bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231, though we are in guest mode at the moment. Uh, hopefully you'll have a question a little bit for uh, Robert Bernard from thinkfree.ca. Uh, also, join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, and that includes live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version waiting there completely free for you at freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who made the move here and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project and socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Let's bring back Robert Menard from uh, thinkfree.ca. Now, Robert, you had... Uh, Essentially, you and, I guess, do we call her your wife, your girlfriend at the time? Uh, I guess I would say girlfriend. I mean, wife would kind of imply a permanency, and I was pretty much aware that I was going to be asked to let go right off. The, so, yeah. So, you, Charge, I, the, the, uh, essentially, the, depart, what, the Canadian equivalent of the Department of Children and Families uh, got on your case about a uh, a young your daughter that was or her daughter that was born, and uh, they called her an unfit mother. Uh, you went through this process as a result, um, trying to to understand the the laws up there and and do your best to I guess uh, come to her defense and come to their aid. And in that process, you you learned some some pretty powerful truths, um, as as I understand it, at least from from reading what you've got on your website. 
Um, could you kind of just run through some of the most important things you came across in your, your sort of your quest uh, for knowledge? Sure. But I would first ask that you realize that the way I came about it was because I was put in a position where I looked in my own heart. I was forced to look in my heart and see what was right. And then I looked at their actions, and I saw that's totally wrong. And yet when you look at their words, oh, apparently they're justified. So I was in a position where I either had to say, my heart is right, their words are wrong, let's figure this out, or I had to abandon what was in my heart, and I couldn't do that. So I sat down with their act, the words that they used, and I figured, this is a new language. I don't even know it. I'm going to start off like I don't even know what language this is. And you're talking about, when you say new language, you mean legalese. Yeah, legalese or law or whatever. I just treated it like an entirely new language. I had Black's Law Dictionary on one side, Bouvier's on the other, a very old English dictionary from the late 1800s. And I looked up every single word, and I was, like three days, I was kind of focused so much on that, eh? maybe even insane at that time. But I wanted to figure out what the heck they were doing. How could they justify this? I, I knew it was wrong. And then after about three days, I saw what was happening, and it just clicked. It immediately became apparent. Have you ever seen these laser pictures? You look past it. You look past the it magic eye then, things. I can never get yeah. them to work, but I understand the concept. You got to look past it. You can't look at it. You have to realize. And what really brought me to, I guess, my position, my outlook, was that I did not accept what they were saying as truth. I accepted what was in my heart as truth, and that was the light I brought to bear. And what I found was this. They do not remove human children whatsoever. They remove the legal entity. Essentially, this is what they get you to do. When you register your child, you are creating a legal entity or a person at that time. You're associating this person with your offspring. You're the only one who can do that. The government can't. Slow down a second. You're using a word, um, person, that apparently doesn't mean the same thing in our world as it does in the legal world. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's one of the biggest ones because when I, one of the things that clicked with me when I was looking through their act was they defined the word child. Who doesn't know what a child is? Why do they have to define it? And then they define person. I looked up person. In Black's Law Dictionary, you will find in section, or you have to go back to an older one. Look at like uh, the fourth edition. It states that a human being is not a person because he is a human being, but because rights and duties have been ascribed to him. Specifically, the person is that legal subject or substance of which the rights and duties are attributes. But not all human beings are persons, as was the case in Old England when there were slaves. And I'm pretty sure that's word for word. Okay. You're not a person. You have a person. If you look at your coat, think of your coat as your person. That's all the government can act upon. They come and they can grab your coat. Why? Because they have title to it, and you have maintained an association to it. They never, ever grab the human being. They always act through that person. What about the guys in prison? I mean, I, I would say that they're a uh, little more than their coats are locked up. Well, again, they have maintained association with it. And one of the people, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky, because we're trying to uncover and unravel this entire system so that we can all have more spiritual freedom. Right. And yet there are still people out there who, you know, I mean, they need the diapers. They they aren't ready for this. Sure, and so, it is tricky. I mean, it was designed to be tricky by a bunch of tricky lawyers, basically. Yes, but there's a maximum in law that, or a maximum at law that states, uh, let he who would be deceived be deceived. Every power, I found that every power they have over us 
is a result of us putting our signature on documents which will have the words application, submission, or registration right up at the top. Now, the, this I found fascinating, and I'd, I'd heard similar things before, but you really probably made it as clear as I'd ever heard it explained. These are things that uh, we see frequently here in America when you go and you register your car or you apply for a driver's license or, again, registration, application, submission. What are the, the meanings of those words that most people don't realize? Before we look at those, I would like to point out the meaning of the word must. They will tell you, you must apply, you must register, and they want you to think that you have an obligation to engage in a certain action. If you had an obligation, they would use the word obliged. The word must is very tricky. It has two senses. One is an active, one is a passive. If I tell you, you must come to my party through the front door, am I creating an obligation upon you to attend my party? No. Or am I defining the, the steps? that if you choose to voluntarily take them, will grant me authority over you. Mm. That's their word, must. It creates no obligation. It defines the parameters that will give them authority. And they got everyone thinking that that's an obligation on our part, and then they get to point to it and say, well, you entered into it voluntarily. Right. Now, I want to get, to those, other, I want to get to those other words in a moment here, but let's just reset for a second. Here in, in America, this makes sense. What you're saying makes perfect sense in that we've all basically sort of volunteered into this legal system, this society, and essentially, you know, they say, they claim that government only gains its powers from the consent of the governed. So, therefore, the way it's supposed to work is that the people People are over top of the government, and they created this government to do certain specific things. Uh, but it, things exactly. have sort of shifted to where the government, the people running the government, have created all these rules and regulations and forms and applications and everything to make people think that uh, the government is, is above them, when in fact that's still not the case. Well, it actually, to be honest, I, I, I really can only speak about what I know up in B.C., but I do see how there's uh, similarities. They are actually only claiming power over their agents. They have tricked uh, up here. We have a social insurance number. Based on my research, I'm pretty sure that social insurance number is just like your social security number, mm -hmm. and it identifies you as a government agent or employee. Because of this, the rules, like anything with the word act in it, those do apply to government employees. So what I see is that... We're supposed to have a house party here. It's supposed to be peace and abundance. And it's a, it's a neat out. analogy, and I want you to hang on to it. We'll bring you back, and you can explain that. Also, applications, registrations, submissions. I'm sure we've all filled out some of these forms in the past. What do the words really mean? What are the legal meanings behind them that no one who's a regular person has ever taken the time to actually look into? Well, Robert Menard did, and uh, we'll find out more about it. Coming up. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, the live Saturday edition. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231, though pretty much you'll need to restrict your calls for uh, questions for Robert Menard from thinkfree.ca until hour number two, and then we'll open it up to anything. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there completely free, including updates. You get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. That's updates.freetalklive.com to get on that list updates.freetalklive.com Do you enjoy building things? Woodcraftplans.com has hundreds of blueprints for things like lawn chairs, rocking horses, yard shadows, fine furniture, and more. Step-by-step -step instructions and full-size patterns guide all skill levels. Woodcraftplans.com supports Free Talk Live. Please support Woodcraftplans.com. That's Woodcraftplans.com. 
All right, let's go back to Robert Bernard from thinkfree.ca. Uh, some tragic things happened uh, in regards to the government trying to uh, meddle around in his life. As a result, he took the time to sort of dig into all of the legalese behind the laws up there in Canada. Turns out there's a lot of similarities between laws in Canada and laws in uh, in a, the United States in that they're all written by lawyers. And uh, and he discovered some things that most people don't ever become aware of, and that is some of the actual legal meanings of some terms that you might think you knew what they meant. In fact, um, Robert, you'd said that the word must, when used in a legal uh, terminology, doesn't really mean what you might think it means. It, in fact, means may. Yes, it, cre- it doesn't create an obligation. It defines the path, which, if you voluntarily take it, will transfer authority to another. But just for just to let you know, Ian, part of the problem starts when, um, no offense, but you're referring to laws. I don't refer to them as laws. I've distinguished between those things which are laws and those things which are merely statutes. Hmm. And it's really a path of learning to distinguish between one thing and the other. So to find this path, you've got to distinguish between a law and a statute. Got it. Are you outdoors right now? I'm getting some wind on your line. Yes, I am. Okay. Um, Is that okay? Well, it's best if you can get out of the wind, but it's it's all right. Um, So you were going to mention the house party analogy, which I found pretty interesting. What is that? Well, imagine for a moment you're in a house party. We're supposed to have some food delivered to us. We we have a, a, a Democrat democratic means of determining what food is served, what music we all have to listen to. Now, if you don't like it, you're free to leave the house, but then you can't claim the right to uh, determine the music that's played or the food that's served. The legislative framework that government agents operate within is essentially the house party, and they're providing you services, and you can step out of it at any time. And the moment you do, they have no authority over you, but nor do they have the right, or or nor do you have the right to ask them for any services or benefits. Now, hold on a second. When you say step out of the house party, you don't mean leave the country, right? Well, uh, look at British Columbia. I exist as a human being in British Columbia. I do not exist as a person in the province of British Columbia. And that's part of their deception. They use the term the province of British Columbia, and they don't want you to realize that it's not a geographical area. It's a legal entity. And I don't exist within that legal entity. Therefore, what you call the laws, which are really just the rules for the people or the persons existing within this legal entity, they don't apply to me because I've chosen to leave the house party. So I don't no. apply for... Now you can claim um, you you can leave the the legal system. You you don't have to uh, abide by any of their rules, um, according to what you say. Now, how does that practically apply to your life? I mean, don't they try to get you to follow their rules? Um, how has it affected you? By you know, tell me how it's affected you. Well, oftentimes when it first started, I knew I was right, and I ended up in jail a couple of times, and I had to you know stand my ground. Uh, the last time I was stopped by a police officer, I was in, and this story I think will highlight to you exactly the power that's available if you do it properly. I was on my way to visit a friend. I had 12 beer beside me. I cracked a beer. It was hot at night, and I'm, I'm having a beer. West Vancouver Police Department uh, uh, squad car drives by. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. West Vancouver Police. West Vancouver is one of the highest uh, property value places in Canada. Okay. These cops routinely run numbers, and if that number that they pull, if you're not from West Vancouver, they will pull you over just for being in West Vancouver and not from West Vancouver. There's places like that here in America, absolutely. 
So I'm sitting there on the bench. This cop pulls right up, and he, you know how they get out. They're all puffy, and they're all angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're drinking beer in public. That's against the law, and I could, I could confiscate your beer. I could do this. I could do that. I immediately offer him God's peace, tell him that I'm pretty sure he's operating outside of his legislative mandate. He has no power to do that. I, I bear in mind, he's got the guns, eh? I don't. Sure. He's going to win, so you've got to find the peace. You've got to find, you know, you've got to bring him God's peace. And if you do, they're not going to look at you like you're, you're an angry adolescent just saying, you know, screw you, screw your rules. So he ended up asking me for my name. He asked me for my last name. I said, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, well, he asked me for my name. I said, I wish I could help you. I don't know if you're acting legally or lawfully. He said, well, I'm acting legally. I said, well, do you have proof of claim that I have a duty to have a legal name? There's no duty to have a legal name, and he knows it. So he says, fine, I'm acting lawfully. What's your lawful name? I said, you can call me Rob. He said, what's your last name? I said, why do you need that if you're only acting lawfully? Are you, are you claiming or seeking contract or conflict? There's one or the other here. So I flustered him a little bit. I, he was a nice guy. I ended up giving him my full lawful name. He punches my name in the computer. He looks at the name, looks at me. His jaw just drops. He looks back at the computer, looks back at me. I've got my beer in my hand. I smile and I wave. He gets on the phone, and he's on the phone for, oh, I don't know, probably about four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. He puts down the phone, and he's sitting there for like 30 seconds, comes out and says to me, Mr. Menard, the West Vancouver Police Department would be deeply appreciative if you would refrain from drinking alcohol in public. Thank you. Have a good night. Wow. Got in his car, ran away. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Now, what... The guy didn't want to touch me. What do you, what would you say, um, I mean, can the average person adopt these sorts of methods without uh, delving into, I mean, d- books and books and, re- and research? Um, I mean, because basically what I see you doing, and wh- as I understand it, is you ask some pretty powerful questions. And I've always said that it's very important when you're dealing with bureaucrats, and our friend Mark Stevens uh, has pointed this out, when you're dealing with bureaucrats, you're going to lose. Whether it's something something little, like losing a little bit of your time on the side of the road, or going as far as maybe losing your uh, freedom or losing your life, you're going to lose something. And Whoever said that doesn't has never heard of a properly filed fee schedule. I mean, they want to pull me over. That's fine. I've got a fee schedule filed. I'm immediately going to generate a bill for $200 an hour. If they attempt to put cuffs on me, if they attempt to incarcerate me, hey, I'm a peaceful man, but you're activating my $2,000 an hour fee schedule, and I will collect. I've got notary publics on my side. I've got sheriffs on my side. I can generate uh, lawful judgments. I'll seize your property, and they know wow. that. Okay, this is something I didn't. I did not uh, actually read this part on, of your website, but that sounds interesting. But let's get back to um, the the registration. Something that uh, I guess you know people are just coming across this for the first time, and I don't want to throw right. it all at them at once. Um, right. So let's jump back into registration and applications. You know, we see these all the time. What are they? Historically, registration. What I found was the act of a ship's captain signing over his ship and all chattel contents to the harbor master for safekeeping until his return. Chattel contents included uh, the condemned, slaves, those who were held due to debt, uh, anything which could be a uh, subject of a lawful contract. If you could put it on the ship, bring it to dock, uh, berth the ship and bring it onto the dock, it was registrable. That's what you're doing when you're registering something. You're signing it over for safekeeping until you return. Submission means that uh, the definition that I found was 
to agree to leave to the will of another? No, to leave to the will of another or to agree to bend to the will of another. Application, this is the one that really set me off. And, and bear in mind, at the time when I was doing my studies on this, I wasn't doing it all by myself. I had found a tutor online. No idea whether it's a girl or a guy, but this, uh, this entity claimed that they had sat on a bench in Maryland for 27 years, and they never told me anything, but they would point and say, okay, now think about this, think about this, think about this. Mm. So they weren't, they weren't giving advice. They were just uh, making suggestions. In fact, we'll come back with application here in a moment. 800-259-9231. If you're a little bit confused, I totally understand. I'm still a little bit confused on all this. Uh, but Robert Menard, he's pretty much got it in hand. I mean, that cop story was, uh, was amazing. We'll come back with more. And uh, this is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. You bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. And uh, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by heading over and buying some stuff at the Free Talk Live store, we've got brand new items. They are for pre-sale, uh, pre-order at this point, including the very hot-selling Free Talk Live multi-gadget. Uh, we've got two different types of hoodies. We've got the brand new Free Talk Live ladies t-shirt, the free marketeer shirt, the beanie, the lighter, uh, the lighter bottle opener combo, and more. They're all there. And all of our older products as well. Great way to get, uh, get some cool stuff and support the show. And you can go there. By going to store.freetalklive.com. That's store.freetalklive.com. As we go back to Robert Bernard from thinkfree.ca. Robert, you're uh, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. And we were just getting into talking about some of these these legal terms that everyone sees all over government paperwork, like registration and application and submission. And you know, it turns out that things don't mean what they may seem to mean in uh, the in the legal world. Uh, there are different definitions for some of these words. As you pointed out, the word registration in legal terms essentially means I'm turning this property over to you. That is, you being the state. And uh, then they get to be in in partial control of that property. Um, Absolutely, they're in total control of that property. Then, in fact, we had been aware of something called the manufacturer's uh, certificate of origin, which is something that comes with a vehicle when you buy it brand new. In order to get a certificate of title from the state, you have to go through this registration process where you give up the manufacturer's statement of origin to the state, and then they give you this certificate of title back. At least that's how it works here. Which evidences that there are two owners now. Right. And look you, at, look you, at the paper they give you. Yours is not the only name on it. And you can't get that manufacturer's statement of origin back. It seems like once, you, once you've once you registered that, it's done. You can't possibly get that back. Uh, I would disagree with that just because I know that the law, there is always remedy. You might not have done it properly, but I would be willing to bet that a notice of understanding intent and a claim of right with a fee schedule would probably loosen them up. And if you say, I can't do it, but you haven't even tried that, I would have to ask about that. That's a good one. It's just that I didn't know what the processes were. All right, so let's continue on. You had uh, mentioned also the word submission. When they say you need to submit an application, legally the term submit means that you are essentially putting yourself beneath the bureaucrats. Is that right? Or, you know, you're agreeing to bend to the will of another, or you are leaving something 
to someone else's discretion. Those were the definitions I found. But in any event, you either are entering into an agreement or you're leaving something, which implies abandonment, which implies, again, voluntary action. And what about application? What's that? Application means, and you look it up, you're going to be amazed. When I saw this, I went, oh, my God. It means to beg, plead, petition, implore, entreat, or request. It means to beg. Now, when I looked at this with my tutor that I had mentioned, the, the guy who uh, suggested that he had sat on a bench, he pointed out, now think about this, because if you really want to understand what a word means, don't just look at the definition. You have to look at the assumptions it rests upon and the implications thus created. Application, if it means to beg, he who begs knows exactly what they're begging for. They know exactly what they're giving up for. They are either acknowledging that the authority to grant exists or they are willing to create it by transference. And finally, it's always voluntary. You're never, ever obliged to beg. Right, because if you were obligated to do any of these things, that would make you a slave, wouldn't it? Pretty much, yeah. And in at least here in America, there's a prohibition against slavery. There's not supposed to be such things. So that's why this goes back to the beginning. You're saying that all of these things, all of these uh, applications and registrations and things that we, we believe are mandatory aren't, in fact, mandatories. They are, as you term them, offers, correct? It's an offer. It's an invitation to uh, accept my authority over you. And in return, I will give you limited liability for your actions. And if you decide that you want to live your life fully responsible for your own actions, what do they have to offer you? So you can reject their offer, but what do you do in that case? I mean, if you've got some angry bureaucrats that, you know, really want to enforce their way upon you, what's the appropriate way to uh, to reject that offer? And uh, what, do you, what do you do in that case? First, you're asking me about building a house, essentially. The way I look at it, you're saying, how do I build and protect my house? And I would say, make sure you have a good foundation. They don't do this. If you serve notice of understanding and intent, a claim of right, you get it properly perfected, judicially sanctioned, and then you have a fee schedule. So what if they want to enforce their will against you? You're going to be earning 2000 bucks an hour. Let them try. And when all is said and done, it's not their system that's going to be deciding it. It's going to be a notary public likely. Now this is a. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with this particular process. But basically, if they send you a letter, you know, with their uh, saying you must apl- you must apply for this, blah blah blah. You send them something back, essentially asking them several questions, right? That's basically yes, what you I do. do. What is called a conditional acceptance. If you reject an offer, imagine someone invites you to to their home for lunch. You don't know what it is they're trying to do, but that might be what it is they're doing. If you just say no, they're going to feel dishonored. The way to avoid dishonoring your fellow man in a situation like this is you send them a letter. It's called the conditional acceptance, and you say, yes, I've noticed your notice. You don't want to ignore a notice. If you do that, you go into dishonor. I've got your notice. I see how you're telling me I must apply. I have some questions. And you can discharge any notice. You can remove the power from that notice by serving them a notice seeking clarification of their original notice. You're not rejecting it. You're just seeking some clarification, and everyone's got that right. So you ask them, this word that you used, what exactly does it mean? What exactly does this mean to you? Not to me, to you. Right, because the only way you could ever sign anything is if you totally understood what it said, and that's all you're doing is you're just trying to clarify things. 
Yeah, and even the word understand is a very, very tricky one. Legally speaking, it's identical to stand under. If you look it up, it means to grasp, to seize, to comprehend. It doesn't mean mean. I can look at some words, know what they mean, and because I know what they mean, I refuse to stand under them or understand them. They, go, they will try to get you. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? And they want you to think, oh, if I say no, I'm an idiot. But it's a choice. It's like a rat trap with cheese on it. A smart rat might look at it and say, yes, I see that's cheese. I see I'm hungry for cheese. I would like it. But I also see how it's attached to this me- mechanism, which looks pretty painful, and I don't understand that. So, no, I am not seizing the cheese. What? I know what it is. And what? for that... I'm not standing under it or understanding it. When you write back to the uh, when you write back to the bureaucrats and you ask questions, you notice their notice, and then you ask several questions of clarification. You conditionally accept it. Yes, I under. Yes, I accept what your. I accept your notice, and here's a notice of uh, several questions I have. When 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 they receive that back, what goes through their heads, and what do they normally do in return? I really can't tell you what goes through their heads. I would guess they've never seen, I guess they hardly ever see anything like that, right? I mean, they're used to people uh, doing I, certain when I, things. When I started, I'm pretty sure that it was new to them, but now I'm pretty sure that they're swimming in documents like this. I've been rather active. How do they come so back? Do they ever bother writing back, or do they just sort of drop the issue most of the time? Actually, I wish I had the letter on me, but uh, on our website, you can see a reply that a guy received from going through the process of serving notice of understanding and intent and a claim of right. It's a reply from his XMP, who happens to be the Minister of Revenue, the one in charge of uh, Canada Revenue Agency. She acknowledges receipt of his notice of understanding and intent and a claim of right and fully describes him as a freeman on the land and states that it's been noted and she doesn't wish to dispute it. Well, she doesn't explicitly wish, she doesn't explicitly state that she wishes to dispute, but she says it's noted. It was an invitation to discuss her dispute. She's not accepting it. The guy's got a get-out-of-jail-free card now. He can show this anywhere. And up here, I don't know what's happening down in the States, but up here, dude, there's so many people who are acting on this information. It's driving the cops, and, well, the cops like it. But the government is certainly changing in a huge, huge way. Hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, our attorney general, who I think is an extraordinarily good and honorable man, Wally Opal, uh, I've seen so much, so many changes in our justice system since he has uh, taken office. Well, we've been and trying that- to for a while up uh, here in in America, trying to figure out how do we how do we get out of this system? How do we go back to freedom and liberty without necessarily having to run through the rigmarole of political elections and that sort of thing? We certainly aren't interested Fire in your violent representatives. What I found is that in any common law jurisdiction, the only form of government recognized as lawful is a representative one. Representation requires mutual consent unless you're dealing with someone who is clearly incompetent. Robert, I know I said we'd only have you on for an hour, but I've got callers on the line, and they've got questions for you. Can we hold you over for a little bit? Are any of the callers cute? I, I What? They're on the phones. I honestly don't know, but <laughs> would you be able to hang on for a few? Sure, I'm having fun. All right, hang on. We'll bring you back. Uh, we've got Kathy on the line. She's a lady. John in New Hampshire, Tennessee's Christian anarchist is on the line as well, all wanting to talk to uh, Robert Bernard from thinkfree.ca. Trying to think outside of the box here. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Hour two's coming up.
This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the live Saturday edition. It's your show, and you can bring whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. That is, once again, freetalklive.com. Very unusual that we'll hold a guest over from one hour to the next, but we've done it in this particular case because it's just, it's such an interesting topic. It's something that very few people ever even broach in their lifetimes. We've got Robert Menard on the line. He is uh, one of the the men behind thinkfree.ca. It's a Canadian website. That's why there's the .ca. That's thinkfree.ca. And essentially, um, just to sort of recap, somehow, I don't know how I'm going to do this, recap the last hour for those of you just tuning in. Uh, basically, Robert had a, a bit of a, a situation with the government up in Canada that led him to actually dig around through the law books or through the statutes and uh, and try to come to understand some of the things that most people never even bother to do uh, to to find out to discover that, for instance, a lot of words that you might think you know what they mean, like person or child or must or uh, application or submission or registration, these words don't necessarily mean what you think they mean, because in law, the the lawyers can redefine these terms. If you look, there are definition sections in the law, and they can completely, they can take a word that you might think you know, and completely redefine it to make it something totally different. Am Am I accurate so far, Robert Menard? Hang on. Okay. Bang on. As a matter of fact, you know what, I went to a, uh, a professor in the University of Windsor when I was down there, a linguistics professor. And I asked him, how many definitions would I have to change in the English language to create a new language entirely? He thought about it, and he said, two. I said, two? He said, yes. If you were to take the definition of you and me and switch those around, you would create a language which would generate entirely different obligations on both parties. So you would have a new language. So we've been talking about uh, these different things, these forms and things that government people would like for you to fill out in order for you to submit to them, in order for you to register uh, your vehicle or your car with them, which essentially gives them control over uh, over that item. An application essentially means to beg. Uh, and, I mean, there's all kinds of interesting things that you've gone over here so far. But as a result of all this, a bunch of people have called in that want to talk to you. So we're going to jump into those calls here. Let's start with uh, ladies first. So let's go to Kathy in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Robert Menard. Hello, Kathy. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi. Oh, I love the show. Um, I wanted to know about the driver's license. How can I get some freedom and, um, you know, to avoid all the paperwork, all the, uh, everything with a driver's license and registrations also? Are, are you a taxi driver or are you engaging in any sort of commerce on the highway? No, I'm not. Then all you would do, essentially, first you want to understand what happened. A, a driver is not someone, well, let's start even before then. What I found in B.C., an automobile is not a motor vehicle unless and until the owner submits an application for registration. Unless the owner of the property does that, they have no right to claim that this property is a motor vehicle, and therefore you're not driving it. If you look at the old definitions of a driver, a driver wasn't someone who was just operating a conveyance. They were someone who was actively engaged in commerce on the highway. They were either a taxi driver, a coach driver, something like this, but they were making their living on the highway. If that's the case, the state does certainly have the right to regulate and limit your activities. But what they've done is they've tricked us all into thinking that if I want to exercise my common law right to travel, I'm actually a driver of a motor vehicle. 
and that's not the case. Your remedy, I believe, would be in the form of looking at the acts, finding the empowering sections, and then serve upon them a notice of understanding and intent and a claim of right, saying, I claim the right that you uh, you defrauded me, you, whatever, I try to find the peace. But let them know that there wasn't a meeting of the minds. You would like to deregister your property. You don't want it to be seen as a, a motor vehicle anymore and claim your right to exercise the common law right to travel. Now, have people and, successfully but, done this, um, Robert? Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, one of the people that I'm dealing with is a police officer in uh, Chicago. And he's purchased some packages from me. He, he really doesn't like the fact that he has uh, been turned into essentially a, a tax collector. And whenever he is forced to give someone a ticket, he tells them, check out thinkfree.ca, you might have remedy. So even a lot of the peace officers, they're, they're coming on side as well. They don't like being treated like they're the bad guys. They don't understand the words any, any more than anyone else. And in B.C., I know there's probably, oh, there's many, many people doing it. Government can't do anything. I'd like to, I'd like to point out something about, uh, about your website. Um, and one of the things I, I immediately liked about it, and one of the reasons why I, I even brought you on the show in the first place, there are people out there that are promoting sort of similar-sounding ideas, and they've got their websites, and you know they'll tease you a little bit, and then they lead you to a page where it says, okay, now you need to pay me $1,000, and uh, then I'll send you a CD-ROM with my information on it. What I like about your site is that you really seem to be somebody who's interested in getting this information out there, and you've got, you know, you put your video online, that's free. You've got several PDF files that are downloadable for free. I'd, I'd love to see more content out there so people can really just grab this up and then say, you know what, this really was worth the, the money. I'm going to, after the fact, since I've seen how valuable this is, then send you a contribution. And I think you're doing that to some extent instead of being one of these, what I consider, scam artists, basically. Um, you're actually well, giving some uh, I that for a number of reasons. One, you are only ever going to be as free as your neighbor. Don't ever expect any more freedom than that. And uh, I'm pretty unhappy with what's happening up here, and I want to see change, so that means i got to get them on side. Two, I really don't care about money. You know, I mean, when it all boils down to it, I couldn't give a shit. Pardon okay, me. whoa, you got to be careful. Yeah, I know, sorry. By the way, thank you for the call, Kathy. We appreciate it. Let's go to Gene the Christian Anarchist in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Well, guys, I'm afraid I, I don't buy all this. Um, <clears throat> I've been around... For a while, like I've said, I've, I've seen a lot of people promoting this. It's, it's basically very similar to what the Montana Freeman put out. Um, some of the others that say that you, you know, this dishonor thing and the straw man idea. And I can explain to you quite simply why there cannot be such a thing as a straw man. And that is that if you live under the law of contract, contract has to be fully disclosed, has to be voluntary has to be by somebody who's of age and of a sound mind. Otherwise, any of those, any one of those things that's not, that's not like that will invalidate the contract. So as far as contract law goes, none of this can apply because if they're tricking you, if they're not fully disclosing things, that invalidates the contract. So only if you make the claim that it does, though. Otherwise, there's the appearance of consent. There is the appearance of a valid contract. And yet, it's not an actual contract, it's not an actual consent, and you can fix it at any time. Well, so your argument that it must be a contract, they're operating upon uh, the appearance of contract. Well, 
You know, this all sounds good, but I personally know people that have gone to jail for using similar uh, straw man kind of arguments. And I believe Robert has said he's gone to jail over this. I mean, that's yeah. that's happened. And, and and it does sometimes work because bureaucrats are basically lazy. And if you throw a bunch of paperwork at them, a lot of them will just throw their hands up and go away. You know, and it does work that way in in the fact that. It sometimes frustrates bureaucrats, and they leave you alone. Well, I haven't heard. I, I mean, Robert hasn't used the term straw man. He hasn't really been focusing on that. Um, from from what I've seen, basically, this is a a way to respond to uh, to their as as Robert points out, their offers by just simply offering to ask some questions in order to clarify what it is that they've sent you. And if you just keep asking them questions, they 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 will throw their hands up. It's that's the way I see it, at least. Oh, it never hurts to question somebody's authority. You know, that's what I always say, question authority, because people basically have none. If you look at God's law, it states that, you know, they're supposed to be in submission to us, not us in submission to them. And what's happened is that there are a bunch of lawless people who believe in the fiction government, and that but that belief, that, that inappropriate belief in the existence of this fiction government allows them to strap on a gun and shoot you. That's basically what it does. It, Gene, thank it you for the call. We appreciate it. Robert, your, your thoughts? Uh, I would not doubt that that might be the case down in the state, and I think that uh, if I was in the state, I don't know that I would be taking this path. I, I feel very blessed that I'm in Canada and in British Columbia, one of the most liberal places in Canada, and I don't know that I would be able to start what I'm starting anywhere else in the world. So I don't I know. I don't think there are that many differences here. In fact, hang on, Robert. We'll bring you back for a little bit because a couple more people want to talk to you. Your calls as well at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net. Toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. The live Saturday show. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The wiki's there. Over 1,200 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. And April is Financial Literacy Month. So give the child in your life financial literacy. Be they son, daughter, or sibling. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. So give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. Let's bring back uh, Robert Menard from thinkfree.ca. It's a Canadian website. That's why there's the .ca. Thinkfree.ca. Uh, we're talking about... Well, basically, freedom and government and contracts and how you know the government and the lawyers in uh, in in it have essentially created this system where words don't mean what you think they mean, and as a result, you've essentially turned over your uh, you've essentially voluntarily given up your authority over your own life to these government bureaucrats by signing their paperwork and and doing as they're requesting that you do. And Robert Menard, you're just saying basically that, and I want to jump back to what Gene said from uh, from Tennessee a few moments ago. I don't think that you're getting on the air here claiming that this is a, a one-size-fits-all solution that's going to work in every country around the world. As you say, you wouldn't necessarily feel as confident about it in, in America as you do in, in Canada. But, but nonetheless, nonetheless, go ahead. I'm sorry. I believe that it would actually, what I, what I do, I think it will work anywhere in the, in the world. I think the uh, the procedure sound in the states, but I think it would be far more difficult to do it 
at this point in time, because uh, no offense to you guys, you're turning into a bit of a police state. Absolutely, and the fact is, you know, the fact is, these bureaucrats here, they think they've got authority, and they're not afraid to use guns on people, and that's a serious issue that we have to deal with. However, I think that what's so valuable about your approach, and also it's similar to our uh, to our friend Mark Stevens, is basically that these bureaucrats are used to victimizing people. They're used to sending out their paperwork and having people feel like they're obligated to fill it out and send it back to them. Or they're used to handing them a ticket and people feel like they're obligated to uh, to pay that ticket or to contest the ticket. They're only used to certain things happening uh, as a result of them doing their jobs. And I think that what, you're, uh, what you can do um, if you sort of adopt this sort of procedure of, well, accepting their notices and just turning it around on them and asking them a bunch of questions in return, they're not used to that. Whether they're in Canada, whether they're in the United States, whether it's Great Britain, the bureaucrats aren't used to that sort of behavior on the part of citizens. And so I think what that does is it, it says to them, it says to the bureaucrats, I'm not someone who's a pushover. And I think that's really valuable. Yeah, and there's more to it because part of the process I'm uh, referring back to uh, the man who is uh, the gentleman who was talking about the straw man and whatnot. I I looked at a lot of what other people were doing. I saw the whole argument and I said, okay, I see them going to jail. I'm finding another path because I'm not going to jail. That's 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 not part of my goal. Mm-hmm. What I did is I looked at it. Imagine for a moment that all of these statutes, they're the lock. You, this lock is stopping you from entering into God's kingdom or the the biggest party you could possibly imagine. If all you do is study the lock, study their words, and then you try to to break that lock, you're going to be seen like a monkey with a stone beating on a padlock, and you're not going to get past it. The trick, honestly, is study the lock just long enough so you can figure out where you put your key, then look in your pocket, look in your heart for the key. You, the way to find your freedom is to bring to bear not just your knowledge of the lock, but your knowledge of the key and bring that to bear against the lock. The key in my book is that which is not of the lock. When I deconstructed the acts, I specifically looked for a bunch of key words. Couldn't find them in any of the acts. You know what those words are? They are the key. The word couldn't find? Love, compassion, truth. I found compassion once truth a couple of times, but it was always directly linked to someone's opinion. If when you're dealing with these bureaucrats, you're not going there and just arguing with them about what the lock is, you're actually bringing forth your love, your compassion for them, you're acting with truth. As human beings, I don't care if they're bureaucrats, they're still human beings. Right. They're going to respond. That's one of the things I like about that. You've got like, I think it's the 13 things they don't want you to know. That's on your website, one of those things you can download. And the first, one of the first things on there is that these are human beings. Even though they're bureaucrats and they may seem cold and heartless, that's just because they've been in the system for so long and they've just gotten that way. Um, these are people, they've got friends, they've got family members, they've got problems. And I think it's really important. This is something we pointed out several times on Free Talk Lives. You always have to remember that when dealing with them is that they aren't better than you. Uh, their S stinks too. And, uh, you know, treat them like another human being. And you're not saying be mean to them. You're not saying be harsh towards them. You're saying embrace them. Be shiny, get as loving and compassionate as you can, seize the moral high ground, and then from there, when they start saying, oh, you must do this, you must do that, you can say, really, but wouldn't I be abandoning my love? I mean, because the thing is, they they can't force you to do anything. They're just human beings. And if they see you as standing morally, well, not superior, I don't want to say morally superior, but if you are striving to bring them compassion, 
when they're making these demands upon you, dude, I've seen it over and over and over. Suddenly their demands become far easier. Suddenly there's remedy available to you. And the next time you start bringing contests to bear against them, you have a, rec- a reputation and uh, people know you as not a, a, a vexatious or angry or malicious type spirit. You're a good, loving man, and you're just trying to figure it out. And Robert, we've got more calls. Me. We've got more calls for you here, and sure. I want to make sure you're talking right into your phone. It's getting a little muffled. I'm not sure if uh, if you've got a good connection. Uh, let's go to John in New Hampshire. You're on with Robert Menard from ThinkFree.ca. Hello, John. Ian, thank you for having this gentleman on. This is great. I want to suggest that if you're not getting the normal volume of calls that you get on Saturday, folks may be just listening and learning. So um, we're doing fine. What's your question for Robert? Hey, I, I got two points and one question. Uh, the question will be, in, uh, how do we escape these lawyers, because that's essentially what it is. Uh, and two points. I recently, one quick that was in the news recently, somebody in, I believe, Sweden was denied a name for the child. And it was very curious that in that, the authority that accepts names for children was a taxing authority. Very strange, I thought. But more personally, uh, about 20-plus years ago, I was in family and divorce court, and I recognized this business with the words that they were speaking a different language. I thought that there was something really insane there or, you know, certainly deceptive or potentially evil, and I didn't know what to do with it. I was a lot younger and hadn't been exposed to a lot of these ideas, and uh, I learned to live with it that it was just a system that I couldn't uh, really do anything with. I actually ended up looking up a few words, but I didn't know where the heck to go with it. I mean, this man, this gentleman has done such a fine job. Uh, good luck to him, and, and thank, thank you very much, Mr. Menard, for, for what you're doing. I guess the question is, how do we escape the BS, these lawyers uh, running the darn world? Thank, thank you, John. Thank you very much, and I'll listen. Thank you, John. Robert? Uh, the way I look at the lawyers, I see kind of a, a zoo. Imagine a zoo with a tiger's enclosure. Uh, what do you store a tiger in? A cage. What are cages composed of? Bars. What are lawyers all members of? The bar. <laughs> right now, it seems like they are your enemy because you have voluntarily put yourself in the cage with the tiger. Once you get out of the cage, those bars don't move, and their job now becomes to separate you from the tiger. Hang on. And we'll come back. If can you, can, can you hang on? we got more calls for you, Robert. Sure. We'll bring you back with Jeff and Vince and your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's a live Saturday edition, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net. Toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Archives are online, and they're totally free. An entire year's worth of the show. Right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. You just go and get them. Click. They're free at freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move and socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Porkfest.com. Let's bring back Robert Menard from thinkfree.ca. It's a website that is helping a lot of people think outside of the box about 
uh, about laws and statutes and things that you sort of take for granted as having power over you. As it turns out, when you sign these uh, when you sign these agreements, it's it's you giving up your power to the uh, the bureaucracy. Uh, to to the lawyers and just fascinating subject. Lots of good free information is available over on his website. Which it seems to me like uh, is your site fairly new? It seems like it's expanding. It seems like there are things that are being added to it uh, fairly often. Yeah, almost. Uh, well, I'm so busy. I'm not expanding it daily, but at least weekly, anyways, we're adding to it. We've got a lot of ideas to to get on there. Are you are you have perhaps going to add a, a message board to the site soon? I think that that'll be. Uh, very valuable. That's in the works. We're looking at a, a message board. We're looking at a video blog. We're looking at a classroom where people can come in and uh, click in, and it's like a virtual classroom where uh, they would learn everything that really the education system should be teaching them before they ever graduate concerning the law. Well, of course, it's not going to teach them that. The government's in charge of it. So uh, let's continue with the calls and talk to Jeff in Washington, uh, listening on KUSA. Hey, Jeff, you're on Free Talk Live with Robert Hi. Menard. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Um, I, I don't know if I have any point or anything. I just kind of want to inform people or say something. Anyway, I know in 1998, well, first off, you know, I've gone ahead and accepted all the offers because it's scary otherwise. However, I am aware, I went to law school, I went to, um, I have a degree as a paralegal, and I quit because of all of this. In 1998, Washington State put out some legislation that said, when you have your license, you know, it says, you know, the last name, comma, first and middle in big block letters, and then underneath the person signs it, um, because in law the person would sign it. Uh, those are two different people, we said. And by signing it, I'm saying, I'll show up for this this guy in your court when he gets a ticket. When he gets yeah, you're agreeing to act as surety. Pardon? You are agreeing to act as surety. What does that mean? Okay. Uh, you're the agent, and you will uh, you will keep any promises made by them. Right. And, you know, for the Doubting Thomases, I mean, you can go to legislation and look this stuff up. You know, it's right there. You say you quit um, over this, uh, Jeff? You you were a paralegal? Absolutely. And what, what was it that drove you over the, over the edge where you decided you'd had enough? He said it, love. You, did, so you, you know, just... I, I have love in my heart. I care about people. You know, and I care that, you know, we did. You did, felt like I, you could You know, I was, I was taking notes, and I, t- I said, I did love, go to law school, and I quit when I saw the, and I, I could not come up with a word for what I saw. I couldn't. I mean, it was just like, oh, my God, just what, these, what happens. And, the lawyers imposing their way on people without their knowledge, without their consent, without their real true uh, under, understanding what a, of what it is they're getting into, that sort of thing, just taking advantage of people? Everything. I told him we were talking one time. I was talking with this guy. I said, you know, I said, people don't like to hear I, I told him he wasn't a person. He got mad and walked home. Jeff, you know. thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to Vince in Indiana listening on WXNT. You're on with Robert Menard. Hello, Vince. Hello, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. But, uh, I wanted to ask Mr. Minardi what he thought about the Tort Reform Act of you know, the mid-1990s that the Republicans promised. And, Senator, well, I want you to get your opinion of the no-insurance laws because uh, I found out the hard way that I was involved as I was riding my bicycle that the person that hit me from behind is not insured. And guess who gets stuck with all the bills? 
I uh, I am totally incompetent to respond to that question at all. I haven't read on it. I haven't heard anything about it, and I would I have nothing to say on it. For the guy who hit you, uh, I would suggest that perhaps you have remedy in the form of notice of understanding and intent and the claim of right against him. Just because he wasn't insured doesn't mean he's not liable. The insurance just transfers liability to the insurance company. Whether or not you can collect on your claim against him, if he's a poor guy, uh, that that becomes an entirely different matter, I believe. Vince, thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. All right, I think we're close to wrapping this up uh, at this point. Mark, you've just sort of been absorbing all of this. Um, did you have any questions for Robert Menard while we have him on the line here? Robert, um, if somebody's interested in what you're doing, what's the first step? If somebody is injured? It, uh, no, interested. interested. If they, if they want to do oh. what you've done as far as sort of extricate yourself from the legal system, how, how do they take their first step? What I did first was I grabbed some LSATs, law school admission tests. Mm -hmm. I realized I was dealing with a different language, a different way of thinking, so I immediately started to train my brain uh, for better word comprehension, uh, logical analysis, and analytical reasoning. Do some of those until you can actually see how these people think and the words that they use click together, and then just start deconstructing the acts. Pick up an act. Grab a dictionary, grab a Black's Law Dictionary, and compare these words, and you will soon start to see, you'll, you'll start to differentiate between uh, shadows and light, essentially. And a lot of what they've done, they've created what appears to be a brick wall, and they say it's law. But then you go walk up and just touch it, and you see, this is canvas painted to look like brick, you idiots. Hmm. What's on the other side? Now, real quick, real quick, Robert. Um, now, we've got a situation here in America that I think you might find interesting. Have you heard of the Free State Project? Uh, yes, I believe, where all the free thinkers go to one state and take it over. Well, it's not, we're not taking anything over. We're just coming in to hopefully influence people in a pro-freedom, pro-liberty direction. But that is basically right. what's what's going on. And one of the people here in the in the state, a few of the people have been arrested uh, in during acts of civil disobedience. Recently, our friend Russell Canning was arrested for not having a driver's license. He was pulled over uh, for having a, a, a light out. They checked him, and of course he didn't have his license, so they arrested him for it. He, uh, he, now, what I want to check with you is what he's done is, and I think it's brilliant, is he just doesn't sign any of the paperwork. He doesn't participate in their system at all. And so, you know, they want him to sign bail. He won't sign that. They want him to sign the ticket. You know, he's not going to sign that either. How do you feel about that approach? I mean, once you're in their custody, once they have the, the handcuffs around you, do you feel like that's a good approach is to just not sign the stuff they put in front of you? If you're following your spirit, it would be a good one. Uh, I don't know that I would do that because I have a fee schedule filed, and I would just say, fine, you want me to do this? I'm going to provide you with services. I'm doing it under protest and arrest. You're activating my fee schedule. Uh, and then we're entering into contract, and uh, they're going to have to pay me, so I'll provide them with whatever services they want. They want to throw me in jail. I'm going to earn 2000 bucks an hour. Now, this fee schedule that you're referring to, have you been paid under it um, at this point? Uh, nope, not yet, but I've never had to use it. As soon as, you know, I mean, they run. They, I've never had to try. Okay. Huh. Uh, I'm in a position where I could, but, uh, you know, a lot of it is misunderstanding. These people are trying. Uh, this is a growth process, and I think it's important for us to be patient with them as well. Um, 
Basically, mm-hmm. adopting some of your your positions and the, the the techniques that you use puts these bureaucrats on alert that you are not a pushover, that you are aware of what's uh, what's going on, that you know that you're just another human being, just like they are, that you're all on the same level, and that they're trying to act as though that they're in charge of you. Can you imagine how powerful this would be? I know you say it's happening spottedly all around Canada, but imagine if a bunch of people adopted these techniques in in one state, in the Free State Project. Do you think that that would really have a a, a serious effect on the way? government operates absolutely and what you got to figure out is how to use your notary your notary public he's trump he anything any judge can do any sheriff can do a notary can do and that's how i you know i've been using my notary publics to establish facts prior to creating a position of adjudication and there's more about that we're out of time robert great having you on the show there's more about that on your website at thinkfree.ca and, of course, uh, if you missed any of this interview, we'll have it up uh, in its entirety tonight on the website at freetalklive.com. Robert, have a great night, and thanks for staying on longer for us. More on the way with Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free at 800 259 9231. That would be the packet 8.net toll free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1 800 259 9231. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Well, you should become a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 365 of our listeners have decided to do for as little as three bucks a month. We give away all the features on our website for free, so it's, this is above and beyond all that. It's a completely voluntary option. You go to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. You'll learn about the program. You'll learn that basically what we're doing is we're taking in three bucks a month from several listeners, sometimes a little more. It's up to them if they want to give more. But anyway, we take that money in and we turn it around into advertising for the show. We promote Free Talk Live to more radio stations, get on more uh, more radio affiliates, get more people on the Internet listening to the show, and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So if that's interesting to you, you'd like to help us with that, we'd really appreciate it. And you get some perks. You get access to the amplifier-only call-in lines, the amplifier-only chat room and forum and more. All the details are there for you at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun and talk to Zach in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, hey. Zach. What's on your mind? Hey, um, I wanted to talk about those prank callers that make that uh, noise at the end of their uh, pranks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, yeah, what's all I, that I did about? Yeah, I research, huh? and... Um, I found out that, like, I went back to their first prank, which was Beavis in California. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. And um, Sound a lot like you. I, yeah, I know. But, I mean, uh, I know, I know. It does sound... I, I swear I'm not him, but... Okay. Uh, we believe you. Yeah, I know. I, I, you guys probably don't, which I'm, I'm pretty sure you do. So, what, was your, what did your research reveal? Uh, well, no. There, it, the whole, like, that noise that they make, mm-hmm. it, it's not, um, it's... Not an inside joke, but it's a reference to the cartoon Beavis and Butthead. Really? Yes. I've because, seen I've seen some yeah, Beavis and yeah. Buttheads. I know, and... but have you have you heard Butthead's uh how he talks to Beavis? Can you give me uh, an example? How how does that work? Like all right, he he'll be like like they'll be walking down the street and like he'll be like Hey, Butthead, we should <laughs> go. He lost like, it. Thanks for the call. You know what? I don't think he was. He's even old enough to have seen Beavis and Butthead when uh, they were originally on. He seems to have the voice down. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they're still, uh, obviously, you can get the DVD, and, uh, I mean, didn't they come out in, like, the, the mid-90s, 1994-ish, 1995, something Thereabouts? like that? Thereabouts, yeah. Because I remember being in high school when they came out, and if you were born in 1994, you'd be 13 years old today. So, you'd have been, I mean, you'd have been a very, very small child when Beavis and Butthead came out. Unlikely to know who Beavis and Butthead are, then, huh? But anyway, so there you go. 800-259-9231. Hey, we'll go from talking about freedom and liberty to your best Beavis and Butthead impression. Whatever you want goes on Free Talk Live. You know what I like about uh, Robert Menard's um, point, the Mm. gentleman we just uh, were on the phone with? I really like that he reinforces the idea that, you know, these are people, too. These government bureaucrats that you're dealing with, the ones that are sending you all the paperwork, mm-hmm. you know, those IRS people, they uh, send you demands that say you must uh, fill out this form. They're not very must, nice about it either. Yeah, you must no. do this, you must do that. You know, I sort of take those as uh, letters from strangers. <laughs> Who are these people? And how was it that an obligation was created for me to even read their letters, let alone fill out their forms, let alone give them access to my bank account, let them uh, give them a, a portion of the money that I earn every single year? Who who are they anyway? They're the IRS. Well, they're not. They're not an IRS. They're people who are acting as though they've got power over you. And essentially, what Robert's pointing out, what Mark Stevens has pointed out in the past. You just have to basically stand up and say, no, you know, you don't have power over me. I'm a, I'm a sovereign individual, and I'm living my life how I want to live it. I'm not harming anyone else. You know, if you actually harm another person, then there's something actionable. Then, under common law, then, you know, there's, you can go to court over that. Well, I'd like to see somebody do it uh, with my own eyes. Um, Beyond you know, what, just someone on the phone, you yeah, mean? Yeah, what these gentlemen are talking about. Rather than, uh, you know, because the, the person that's acting like a government bureaucrat mm-hmm. could be acting like they want to put you in jail, and then could be acting like they're putting you in the cop car, and then could be yeah. acting like they're locking you in a cell. They're not acting. They're doing those things. Right, right. And, because and, they believe they have authority. And the funny thing is, so does everybody else, so therefore they do. That's the problem. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to change, is to get people to understand that unless you've explicitly consented to this, then they don't have authority. Unless you've specifically told them, yes, I give you authority to pull me over uh, because uh, I don't have your piece of paper that you want me to have, then unless you've told them that specifically, unless there's been a contract that specifies that and you've understood it, then they don't really have it. It's I, all fantasy. It's all based on misinformation, misdirection, and misunderstanding. People well, just don't get it. I'm, I'm not sure I entirely agree. If I stick my fingers in my ear and go, no, 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 Mr. Police Officer, I can't see you. You're not real. I didn't then, say he wasn't real. Uh, yeah. He's a man who is, under, is living under a delusion. And that is that people have consented to all of the laws that, that, that they are enforcing. That the police themselves couldn't even possibly know, by the way. No, they, I, I would agree with you on that point. They claim that uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse, but really, how many police officers could really start jib, uh, jibber-jabbering off a bunch of laws? Oh, okay, what's section 1, uh, is, uh, yeah. subsection A, heading 2? Can you, can you read that for Oh, you don't have that in your brain? You're not a walking compendium of uh, New Hampshire law or Minnesota law or Canadian law? Oh, wait a minute. I thought ignorance of the law was no excuse. In fact, that's some, part of what, uh, what Robert Menard does is he basically comes back with questions about the statutes, questions about what these words mean. 
you know, if a, if a cop claims that you're in violation of a particular uh, of a particular statute, but he doesn't even know what the words in the statute mean, how on earth could he know that you're in violation of it? It's an excellent question. So these are, you know, you just you just throw a bunch of questions at these bureaucrats and think about it from their perspective. And this goes back to what Gene, the Christian anarchist, pointed out. These guys are used to used to people doing certain things when they send out a demand to you. Or an offer, as uh, Menard would put it. When they send out an offer that says, you must do so-and-so, well, they say they list the, your options, right? You can either contest this, you can send in the fine, or and there's usually a third option. That, anyway, you can contest it or send in the fine, or you can ignore it. That's your third option. That's what they're used to people doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're not used to getting back uh, a a letter that essentially says, okay, yeah, I under, I." I I accept your offer, and I've got some questions about it, though, before I actually sign off on it. Before I send you the money, I just want to make sure I, I comprehend uh, what it is you're asking me to do here. And then you just you can enumerate the questions for these bureaucrats. Make it, ask as many as you want. I mean, they're supposed to be your servants, right? See, that's the concept, is that we, the people, created the government. Go back to the Declaration of Independence. It's there. We, the people, you know consenting, creating this government in order to provide us uh, protecting life, liberty, and pursuit of property. Right. Sounds like the the preamble to the Constitution. Okay. All of that stuff. Anyway, you you basically come back to them and and you, you know, okay, I've got some questions. You're my servant. Um, so I don't think you probably should use that terminology. No, I'm not. I don't. I'm not giving you recommendations on how to write the letters. I'm just talking about the basic concept. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be your servants. They're making demands. So therefore, you need to make sure you understand what it is they're they're asking about. So you ask a bunch of questions. I bet you odds are good they're not even going to write you back. I would I would say that you're like if that's likely. There are some letters on his website where it sh- where the bureaucrat does write back and dodges the questions, does not answer any of them. I mean, they know what some of them will know what you're up to. You know, they'll realize that oh my gosh, this person, this citizen is on to something. And uh, they'll do their best to dodge around and tell you, you must do this, you must do that. You just write back more questions to them. You're still in the discussion phase. You have not gone into a conflict phase. Right, and you haven't refused to do anything at that right. point. Right. See, that's just it. When most people get this, de- when they get a demand from a government bureaucrat, if they ignore it, then it, as Menard puts it, it goes into dishonor. So you have to respond with, with questions, basically, because if you, pay the, if you pay their demands, well, then they've gotten what they wanted out of you. Sure. And if you go into conflict, if you adjudicate, if you go to court, then you're in this conflict fa- fa- phase, and you've, you've completely bypassed the option to discuss, because they're giving you an offer. And in order to understand the offer, you should have a lo- nice, long discussion with them, and just send some questions and see what happens. I sent some questions. Remember that guy that was investigating me, the attorney general here in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. came to my house asking me a bunch of questions about why I crossed out one of the paragraphs on the voter's registration? Well, I wrote him back an email asking him. I didn't write a bunch of questions. I just asked him, because he wasn't making demands, but uh, I was being investigated, and I asked him, well, you know, how is it that anybody could possibly be expected to agree to this statement? And the statement was, I agree to obey all of the laws of the state of New Hampshire. That's impossible. I couldn't possibly begin to read the, uh, the laws of the state of New Hampshire and, and comprehend and understand and obey them all. I've got no problem leaving people alone. I'm not going to harm anyone else but obey all the laws. So I simply asked him, you know, how is it that this is possible? How is it humanly possible to agree to that statement? And then I mentioned at the end that I'd be talking about it, uh, talking about his answers on my radio show. I haven't heard back from him. No, I imagine he's uh, doesn't doesn't want that kind of light shown. Well, he's got him. he's got easier targets he can go after. 
I'm a hard target at this point, and that's what this is all about. Hour two is coming up. You can take control. The draft may be coming back. We've got the latest. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want, toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the live Saturday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that number is 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. We give them away. That's the way a good talk show website should be. So enjoy those on us, freetalklive.com. By the way, last night I mentioned we'd had some good news about uh, our friend Loretta Nall down in Alabama, marijuana super activist Loretta Nall. Hmm. She was charged with, uh, let's see, possession of marijuana down uh, in Alabama back like five years ago now. And they, it all happened as a result of her writing a letter to the editor to her local paper. You remember the story, Mark? Right. She wrote a letter to the editor about, well, decriminalizing or re-legalizing marijuana. And that's all. Um, as a result, apparently, the cops took notice and raided her house, and then they found, like, a gram of pot. Well, um, what, what was their probable cause for raiding the house? Mm, they heard there were drugs there. Uh, I don't yes, know. Somebody, do they need someone, probable cause? Yeah, the, well, yes, they do, according they to the law. Up, well, which is what they did. Their, their probable cause was she wrote a letter to the editor. That's not probable cause. I know. But nonetheless, it didn't it didn't prevent her from being arrested and uh, having no, a court case. I guess it wouldn't. The good news is the charges have been dropped um, at this point. After five years of fighting it, after her running for governor as a result of it, they turned they created an activist. You know, I wonder how much um, she spent on this uh, drug charge that they gave her. I don't know. I I'm reading. I was reading the uh, the post on her website, which is nallforgovernor.blogspot.com. If you want to get all the details there, she doesn't mention that. Hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, you, as you might imagine, she's pretty elated that she's not going to be going to jail over any. Yeah, of this. well, I would imagine. But I thought what was really what was the most interesting thing about Loretta's case is that Loretta was an unintended consequence of the war on drugs. In that before she was arrested. She was just, you know, maybe a occasional pot smoking mom, someone who uh, was a pretty responsible individual. Uh, she had a, you know, she she works for a living and uh, she was just living her life. And she happened to write a letter to the editor. That was like the the extremist uh, I mean as, as extreme as her activism got was writing a letter to the editor. Then she got arrested. And all of a sudden she blew up into this um well-known marijuana activist who's gotten coverage in High Times Magazine. She's gotten coverage uh, on Alabama news stations all over the place when she ran for governor. We've had her on Free Talk Live more than a handful of times. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't have happened had they not arrested her. I'm not saying it's good that they arrested her, but I don't know if they expected that. Most of the time when they arrest a pot smoker, they just roll right over, pay the fine, they go to jail, and then they, you know, they do their probation and they try to keep quiet i hope she doesn't stop now but i don't know i don't think she's going to stop now they've uh they've they've really messed with uh a powerful force and she will continue to to lobby for uh re-legalization of marijuana and i think it's great and so it's a little bit of good news there i wanted to share that with you let's go to the phones and talk to jackie in california you're on free talk live with Ian and mark hello hello jackie hi hi how you guys doing that's good. an interesting name for uh for a guy what's on your mind um yeah um sorry don't make fun of my name uh, I'm taking it's actually after my father. But, okay. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about uh, 420. Yeah, that sure. That was uh, Friday. Yeah, um, 
pretty uh, intense day yesterday because, you know, a lot of my buddies were actually they're into to marijuana use. Yeah, sure. And it's just, it's not very, like, I, t- I keep telling them it's not good, and these kids... Uh, What's not good? Sm- smoking weed. Why? Because it, it's, it just does you're not supposed to do that stuff. Why? I mean, I mean it, it makes you, like, it makes you, like, there's no point on being, like, just do, to do that, to get high and have fun, because you can have fun plenty of different ways. Well, sure, I agree. You can certainly have fun in, in plenty of different ways, but some people would like to recreate by smoking marijuana. Why shouldn't they be able to? Well... If it's gonna if it's gonna make you like do things that you normally wouldn't do, like what? Like like um, for instance, my buddy was um, explaining to me how he was he after he was he was baked out of his mind, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and he was listening to Yoshi and he saw Yoshi dolls everywhere, like around the television screen. And what are Yoshi they, dolls? Uh, like the, see, um, the Mario uh, character Yoshi? Yeah, Mario character. Yes, Yoshi. Right. And he was telling me that he saw them bounce around a television screen and he thought it was funny. Was he actually playing a Yoshi video game at the no, time, or was no. he... I think he was watching Barney. Yeah, I think he might have been doing something else besides smoking pot. Now, Jackie, have you ever smoked marijuana yourself? I I have. I've had maybe... I've had one or two hits, but it just wasn't for me. You, know? you just didn't inhale. I, I know there's some... And, and that's cool. I mean, everybody's got their thing, but I mean... Oh, I'm not, I'm not against it at all in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so you don't think your friends should be put in jail or anything like that? You're just, oh, no. You're I don't just... think they should be put in jail. I mean, I just think that... I think they should have a different way of having fun. Okay, well, you know, that's fine. And I'm sure they respect that, you know, your ways of having fun may not be the way they prefer to do it. And, you know, we all might like to see our friends do things where we want them to. But, unfortunately, they have their own lives and they get to make their own choices for themselves. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And as far as hallucinations are concerned on marijuana, that's just not very likely. So, I mean, if he was hallucinating on marijuana, then there was something else um, in it beyond marijuana, which is also very unlikely. So maybe he dropped a hit of acid or something like that beforehand, and that's why he saw that. No, or- I, I mean, I don't know, because like, before this all happened, these kids were great people. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not great people. I mean, I just see them like, you know, we used to go out to clubs and, you know, buy drinks and stuff, but they end up blowing all their money on, on marijuana. So, I mean, it's, so instead of blowing their money on alcohol... They're blowing their money on marijuana. What's really, I mean, has really that much changed? Instead of going out to clubs, now they're just sitting around smoking pot. I mean, they've, they've just, you know, they've, had, they've got a new choice in life, a new, uh, yeah. new style of recreating. I don't go to clubs. I'm not interested in spending time in clubs. I think they're horrible. The loud music and uh, just a bunch of empty, sort of vapid people yeah. Yeah. doesn't interest me at all. Jackie, thanks oh. for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. This, you know, it's a, just a different culture. I'm not into that sort of thing. And there are a number of people that don't want to go to clubs. That's okay. And I think it's fine that, uh, that they wised up and you know, realized that maybe they wanted to have a little bit more quality time. I don't think that you can have quality time with your friends if you're in a club with pounding music in your ears to where you have to yell at them <laughs> in order to possibly get them to hear you. Over the, over the music. Have you ever been to one of these places? Oh, you know absolutely. I, 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 I can't disagree, so I'm not. Right. It's just not good time. I mean, it, you go to clubs to pick up people, right? I mean, isn't that the point? You go to clubs... Some to people get, just like going. You go to clubs to get drunk, and then you, in hopes that you'll end up going home with somebody. And that's just not interesting to me. And if it's not interesting to your friends, you shouldn't be too harsh with them about it. Let's continue with the calls. Talk to Derek in Indiana, listening on WXNT. You're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yeah, hey guys, I just caught your program for the first time. I'm a trucker, uh, independent owner-operator at West Tire in Colorado. And uh, uh, good show, by the way. But Thank you. Uh, hey, I wondered if, yeah, you're welcome. Hey, I wondered if any guys know anything about, you know, all the Mexican trucks coming across in 40 days. 
and uh, we're all meeting out there in Washington, D.C. We all have no North American Union on the back of our doors at each truck rally. Yeah, we actually had a we actually had a professional driver call in a couple weeks ago to let us know about this uh, in advance. And I, from what I understand, it's going to be happening at every state capital. It's not just going to be Washington D.C. because obviously you guys are going to be in different places at uh, at that particular time. So you guys are pretty uh, pretty angry about this whole North American Union thing. I don't know if you should be angry at uh, you know at the Mexicans. I think you should be angry at the government. Is that pretty much where you're placing your uh, your displeasure? Oh, oh, let me let me tell you, bud. They, quote, quote, unquote, our politicians are trying to make this into the North American Union. And the reason I drive a truck, Elmo and Trucking Company, at four of the trucks, it's one of the last things you can really do to make a good living in America. I go all 48 in Canada, and everybody's broke. I mean, everybody's working two jobs. You sit there and you wonder, you go, where's the stock market soaring into a new high today? Everywhere I go, people are broke. And it's like... Uh, it's just another way for our government to consolidate us into this uh, North American Union and change our money from the dollar to the Avero. And uh, it's all part of this uh, globalism, man. It's not a good thing, I'll tell you that. Well, I don't really know what globalism is. I've heard people tout it as this, you know, sort of scary concept. But whatever that is, all I know is that bigger government is bad. And if we're combining three governments into one in this North American Union, that's a bad idea. Similar to, you know, the European Union. Bad idea. It was better when they had individual uh, individual countries sort of competing against one another. Um, so essentially consolidation and centralization always going to be negative. And what you're seeing is out there, is you're seeing that you know the stock market's continuing to go up. Well, that's because the government gets to manipulate the money supply, and they've got the uh, the plunge protection team, as they're called, working sort of within the stock market to basically make it look like everything's hunky dory in America. When in fact they're inflating the money at something like an eight to nine to ten percent rate. We're all losing our savings as a result. So as they continue to inflate the money supply, you can expect Americans to get poorer and poorer. And uh, it's just a tragic situation. Hey, thanks for the call. We really appreciate hearing from you. And good luck with the uh, the truckers' protest. More on the way. You can take control. The latest on the draft coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live's live Saturday show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. That includes the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Our number is 800-259-9231, and uh, we're going to get hopefully get to the draft, but your calls are uh, primary. So let's go to Monty in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Monty. Hello. What's on your mind? Um, I'm kind of going, I'm a Mexican, and I'm just um, walking into, like, dark territory right now because of the entire situation with everything going on and uh, all the people coming over and, I just want to, you know, let people know that um, the people that are coming over are really um, the 
want to break the law. They don't have no care for the government here. Or no, the I don't care for the government either. But, no, I'm not talking about that. I mean, the government is built for the Constitution, and it's just it's so hard for me because that I'm here. I'm trying to do everything I can as possible, and I don't do anything wrong. So wait, but, you're saying that you're a uh, you're a Mexican immigrant and that you're having not, a... I'm not an immigrant. I was born here. Okay. Okay. You're of Mexican descent, and as a result, you are having a you're being harassed maybe because you just by look... my own people. By your own people. And why are you harassed? Because I don't follow their part. I don't follow the the Aslan and all these other kind of uh, very racist. Uh, ideas. I've met lots of Mexicans who don't pers- um, don't subscribe to this Aslan uh, racist ideals. And it's just uh, I just want to let people know out there that Mexican it's kind of weird. It's like um, yeah, you divide it up. You can you know you got your Caucasians, which is European. You got your Asians, which is everybody over there. You got your Africans, which is everybody over there, you know, whether you're from Rwanda or Nigeria or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but everyone down south of the border, you know, including down to Peru and Brazil coming up, and they're just really on a, on a stretch, and they really want to try to come over, and they don't want to, um, me, I was born here, and I obey all the laws. No, you don't. Don't lie to me. Come on. Do you have a car? Huh? Do you have a car? A car? Yeah. Do you have a vehicle? Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you speed? But... Yeah, thanks for the call. 800-259-9230. I'm going to put a shotgun in my mouth if I let that guy on the air any longer. Goodness. Sound like he was... uh, I don't believe him, by the way. I I don't think he's actually a Mexican. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I just didn't want to continue. I would have asked him where his parents were born, see if he could answer that one, but I didn't really care enough. So do you think he was, Mark? Do you think he was really a Mexican? I don't know. I mean, um, who knows? Because, I mean, he's trying to claim that uh, there's this widespread racist movement amongst um, Mexican immigrants. Right, and I think very much they would just like to come over here, work hard, and earn money so they can support their families. Yeah, I mean, if that were really true... Why on earth would they want to? I mean, if you're a racist, if you're somebody that hates other people for the color of their skin, why would you want to move in the midst of those people? That doesn't make much sense, right? Doesn't make any sense to me. If you're a racist... If you like Mexicans, why not stay in Mexico? Stay where you are, right? So I don't believe that for a moment. Um, I'm, I'm like you, Mark. I've met plenty of, uh, of immigrants. We've talked to them on this show before. Uh, I don't think that just because you're of Mexican descent that makes you any more likely to be a racist. There are white racists. There are black racists. There are Hispanic racists. Sure. Uh, they're definitely out there. Are they a majority? No way. I, I don't believe that for a moment. And if you are of uh, Mexican descent, you'd like to con- uh, counteract that. I'd like to hear from you at 800-259-9231. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to Tom in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind? Um, women drivers. Uh, I don't even think that they should be on the road. Oh come on, seriously? Yeah, seriously. I mean, how do you plan on getting them off the road? Well, I, they're just horrible. I mean, I've been rear-ended by one uh, today. One just wouldn't stop flashing their high beams at me. Okay. Um. 
I think that they're all hazardous and pretty much it's just like Asians driving, no matter what, they're not going to be very good. Thanks for the call, 800-259-9231. They're trying, you know, they're trying. Doing their best. 800-259-9231, you can actually bring up whatever you want. Women drivers. Now, that's seriously, there are some people that have that bias. I, uh, they, I, you know, I, I'd love to come up with a bias that uh, women drivers are worse, but I just can't. I just cannot see empirically that that is so. Has anyone ever done a study on this is what I want to know. You know, uh, I've got to say my wife's a better driver than I am. Really? Yeah. Now, if we're going on a long trip and I want to exceed the speed limit because, uh, you know, I want to get there a little faster, I'll drive. But generally, she just pays better attention than I do. Julia drives uh, drives me around pretty much everywhere. I think she does a great job of it. So I just don't see it. Let's go to the uh, actually. People probably just think you're uh, that she's your keeper. Let's go to the um, let's go to the draft thing, Mark. You've got the the latest on the draft. We actually haven't talked about the draft in quite a while because there. I hadn't noticed any rumblings. There haven't been anything. Hasn't as of recently been anything new as far as the government sort of hinting at possibly bringing back the draft. Well, um, right here from uh, Nicole Bell um, from CrooksandLiars.com. The Senate Armed Services Committee heard testimony Tuesday that increasing the size of the Army and Marine Corps may not resolve severe and growing personnel problems. There's even talk of returning to the draft to fill the ranks. The United States is going to have a significant component of its ground forces in Iraq over the next 5, 10, 15, or 30 years. Then res- the responsible course is for the president and those supporters. Why couldn't it be? Yeah. How long? I mean, we're still in Okinawa, Japan. Okay. Um, the res- it, then the responsible course is for the president and those supporting this open-ended, escalated presence in Iraq is to call for reinstating the draft. If that's the responsible? Who's making this claim? <laughs> um, Who is this? That's uh, General uh, Army General Barry McCaffrey and international. Barry McCaffrey. Rel- He's a former drug czar. An international relations professor at the U.S. Academy at West Point, New York, described. Okay, he's a retired general. Um, described what he sees as the disastrous state of ground forces, a broken commitment to troops because of equip- broken equipment, mistraining, and his sense that ninety-five thousand that the ninety-five thousand increase in the Army and Marine Corps personnel planned over the next five years isn't fast enough to provide relief. The ninety-five to sixty-five thousand soldiers and thirty thousand Marines by two thousand and twelve. We're proposing to be in Iraq still in two thousand and twelve. Um, because of the extraordinary means used to fill um, to field forces, this includes 20,000 Navy and Air Force personnel assigned to traditionally ground force missions, such as convoy duties. That's right. They've got Air Force guys doing Army jobs. Wow. Because there's just not enough. Um, convoy duties, guarding detainees, using stop loss to prevent people from leaving the military when their obligations ended, recalling people from individual ready reserve. And in many cases, not even um, they don't even have a relevant military skill. Bring on the slavery. That's what the draft's all about. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. If they bring back the draft, what will you do? This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. From time to time, we do a little auction. Uh, Normally, we auction off banners on our website. This time, 
it's a little bit different, isn't it, Mark? Well, um, yeah. As a matter of fact, all our banners are pretty much people regularly uh, they, they keep their banners month after month. So uh, we haven't had an auction in a while. And I kind of thought I'd like to try something different. I sell the uh, commercials during the day. Uh, that's what I do from 9 to 5, is I uh, sell radio commercials for the show, which is on six mm-hmm. days a week, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. And I decided I wanted to – what's going to happen if I put some ads, just some regular 30-second spots on eBay? So I put a 13-month schedule, one ad per evening, uh, six days a week. For 13 weeks, that's a schedule that will work for just about anybody. It's not a small schedule by any stretch of the imagination. It's probably worth $1,500. I, I doubt it's going to get to that. I just don't expect it. It's at it a tenth to, of that right now. Yeah, it's, it's at a tenth of that right now. <laughs> I don't expect it to get there, but I thought I'd give it a shot and just see how it went. All right, and so you get your ad on all of our radio stations. That's right. It's on 23 sta- uh, 20 stations. From um, coast to coast. That, and, and it also goes on a live stream. Six That's nights right. a week. So, right. so and I guess there's another two days and 17 hours. People so. can go to auction.freetalklive.com to right. check, out, uh, check out the details and place their bids. Right. Uh, auction.freetalklive.com. This isn't uh, advertising for Bob's Pizzeria and you know, Poughkeepsie. That wouldn't be smart. No, it doesn't make any sense because, well, we don't have a station in Poughkeepsie. But um, not only that, it, this is more of a uh, advertisement for somebody who can sell things nationwide, whether you're a mail order company, whether you're a website, whether or you're... Or if you're just an organization, you know, per, uh, political party could buy it if they wanted to. Yeah. You don't have to necessarily be selling something, just something you want to promote coast to coast. Yep. All right. So let's go to the phones to Andrew in Rhode Island. We'll uh, go back to the draft here in a few moments, but Andrew, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Hi. Hey, it's on your mind. Um, I want to actually talk about the uh, Mexicans, how that guy was uh, insulting Mexicans. Okay. All right. Um, I think that it's not fair that you can do that to somebody or to, anybody, to if that matter. Um, just in general, talking about people like that, we're all human together. We should all love and care for each other. Just because you see people like hanging on a street corner looking for money, they need they need jobs too. Well, I, I agree with the, so, the concept that we're all people and that uh, that we're all human beings and they sh- we should be treated like that. And and I, I wish we could get away from uh, from categorizing people. Although, of course, people that are hanging out on street corners, I don't know if they need your money. Um, they could probably go and get a job. Uh, that's that's true. a whole other issue. That a lot, of, a lot of Mexicans, like they come in, they don't speak English. Even they don't even speak English. You know, there's a lot of jobs for people that don't speak English. You don't need to be able to speak English to pick fruit. To pick fruit. Oh well. <laughs> Mean, but I mean, what's mean about it? Somebody I mean, needs to pick the fruit. Oh, it's true. Someone does need to pick the fruit, no doubt about it. But I mean, you just can't have like thirty Mexicans picking fruit. You can't do it. Sure Why? You can. They do it all the time, and, and, it, and it works fine. Just so you know, your fruit is largely pick, um, that's grown in America is largely picked by Mexicans. Most of them illegal. Right. You no, know, I was actually I was actually reading up an article about that. How they uh, how people get underpaid to to pick fruit. Just okay. Like they get underpaid. It's just not fair. What do you mean by underpaid? I mean, they get paid by the bushel. It's uh, it's a deal that they're made in advance. You would think that if they were not getting the payment they were expecting, they'd go somewhere else and pick fruit or go and do something else. It's just like, I don't know, it just seems so like this. I don't know. I just don't understand this. I mean, it's kind of like like a last fellow who called talked about Asian drivers, women drivers, and how they they, they can't drive. Uh It's not fair either. It's not true. No, it's definitely not true. I agree. They can drive. I mean, even though they, they may do honk your horn a couple of times and, you know, piss you off, but, I mean, they, they still have a right to drive, just like how people have a right to get jobs. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Bill in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. 
Hi, guys. I love your show. Thanks, Thank you. Dude. What's on your mind? I only get to hear it once a week. Um, I want to talk about guns. Um, All right. Uh, this week, you know, we've had that Virginia Tech shooting, and I, you know, every time I turn around, I hear people trying to um, tell us now we can't, we're going to make it tougher for you to get a gun because, you know, a lot of you crazy people want to go out and get a gun. And I think, you know, I just want to uh, send a message to all those that believe in gun control and that we shouldn't carry a gun to just um, uh, think about what I have to say here. Um, what if I, you know, carry a gun and walked into a room of, of students and decided to do what this man did and start shooting? And But if every student had a loaded gun, maybe not their finger on the trigger, but, you know, all the girls had a loaded gun in their purse and, all the guys had a gun in their backpack. How many people in the classroom do you think I would be able to kill until somebody shot me dead? Maybe I, one. A, a, a couple few. You know, if there was only Certainly one not 32. person, if there was only one person in that classroom that had been that had had a uh, concealed weapons license and a gun on them, and of course it was against the law in Virginia Tech, um, the Virginia Tech campus, to even carry a gun if you had a concealed weapons permit. Um, if only one person had had a gun, that would have changed everything. That's my statement. My statement is I think it's just the opposite. I think we have it backwards. I think everybody should have a gun on campus, and I think that thing would have been over. And Maybe he got three or four students, and I think he would have been dead, and we would have saved a lot of lives. That's Absolutely. In fact, there's, you know, there's also the chance that if he knew that guns were allowed on campus, he might not have even tried for it. Yeah. You know? Bill drop. Thanks for the call, Bill. 800-259-9231. Be the toll-free number for you. Hey, quick email, since he brought up the guns issue, from someone calling themselves Common Sense, saying, I have heard you guys use the analogy of why there aren't shootings at gun, or why there aren't shootings at gun shows, and yet there are school, uh, shootings at schools and places where people are generally unarmed. Basic odds are the answer. There are a hell of a lot more schools and school days than there are gun shows. A lot of these shooters are suicidal. They go in shooting knowing they're going to die. There's not much difference between a person like this and the type of suicide bombers in Iraq. It looks like most people in Iraq can openly carry guns, but not just pistols. No, they carry fully automatic weapons, grenades, and rocket launchers. There are plenty of open carry weapons there, and yet there are a hell of a lot of killings still happening. Well, that's not really a fair comparison, uh, common sense, because there's a war going on. There's an invading force in their country, and they're fighting back against it. They do make a good um, a good point that there are fewer acts of violence um, at gun shows simply because there are fewer hours spent at gun shows in America. What they fail to point out is that tragedies like Columbine and Virginia Tech would not have occurred if the students or teachers were allowed to be armed. They wouldn't have been as tragic, that's for sure. They now, wouldn't, wouldn't have been as tragic. In the case of a college campus, you're talking about adults. Everybody there is an adult. They should be allowed to carry a weapon if they want. In the case of Columbine, you're talking about a high school. At the very least, can you imagine if the coach had had a gun? They'd taken care of that crap real quick. He says, so let's say a school allows all students to carry pistols. Well, now you have to worry about accidental shootings. There will still be crazy fools that want to kill folks. They know everyone else has pistols, so now the shooter might step up to an Uzi or a couple of them. As though, an, look, I don't care if they've got a law's rocket. If I've got a 9mm and I know how to use it, it doesn't matter. Right, and also, um, it's very unlikely that, that someone is just going to carry a gun for the sake of carrying a gun without actually ever having fired one or uh, knowing anything about it. If you're going to carry a gun, you really need to understand what guns are all about. You need to understand gun safety, and uh, you need to have some practice with it. Um, to suggest that there are going to be accidental shootings, it might happen. 
I mean, if guns are around, there's a chance that some an accident's going to happen. Uh, but nonetheless, most gun owners I know are very responsible about their weapons. They do understand that you never point a gun at someone else. Uh, even if you are, you know, even if the gun is completely empty and you've triple checked it, you don't point guns at other people. I mean, that's just the number one rule. And if that makes you uncomfortable, if you're at a school where that sort of thing is allowed, if there were schools like that, then you could just go to another school where they had a different guns policy. You know, if you want to go and send yourself or your kid to a school where there are no guns, then that's your business. But I would like to be able to go, if I'm going to go to school, I would like to go to a school where I could carry my weapon. Why can't I be free to make that choice? Why can't schools be free to make that choice for themselves? Unfortunately, they aren't. He says, let's just say all students carry Uzis and AK-47s. Now we're getting into insane what-if land. Uh, The crazy shooters might then strap bombs to themselves. You know what they might do is if they actually do manage to restrict guns more so than they currently are, which is difficult, that they might strap bombs to themselves anyway. All you have to do is mix the right household chemicals together and you've got yourself a bomb. I guess you would have to get everybody close enough to you to blow them up. He says the result would be the same. He'd still kill a lot of people in himself, and even though everyone around him was armed to the teeth. He says, this is what I'm getting at. There must be some gun laws, or else our country would start looking like Iraq. I don't want that. Do you? Ah, well, let's let's look at that a little bit deeper. Coming up here at Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments, just enough time for your call. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system, Shrine of Female Listeners, updates. It's all for free. We give it away. We do ask that you voluntarily support us by heading over to amazon.freetalklive.com and buying some stuff. In fact, they've got 40 categories that you can shop from. Everything from books to office products to furniture to DVDs accessories, clothing, their brand-new grocery store even. I mean, they really, they've got almost everything. So you go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and then anything you purchase, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of. So you get the stuff you want, and you help out Free Talk Live. Really, what could be better? Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just a quick uh, recap of this email from someone calling themselves Common Sense. That's how it's signed. Uh, this person's pretty scared of the whole gun freedom idea. They're concerned. Uh, the very last line is, here's what I'm getting at. There must be some gun laws or else our country would start looking like Iraq. I don't want that. Do you? Well, first of all, the United States isn't going to start looking like Iraq until there's an invading force occupying our streets. Then, you know, then you could make the claim that we're starting to look like Iraq. Um As far as gun freedom is concerned, here in New Hampshire, there's something called open carry, and it's available in a few other states as well. It's uh, the ability to to actually carry a a weapon on your person. So if you wanted to strap an AK to your back, technically you could. Uh, If you want to, you know, open carry a revolver, you can do that too. Some people actually do exercise this right. We know some of them personally. Yep. And I I don't feel in danger. I'm not scared. Being around people who are open carrying, it's not like the gun's gonna. Are people scared about um, scared about being around cops? They're they're open carrying. I mean, it's not like the gun's gonna jump out of the holster and start shooting at you. No, certainly not. So, what's the issue? Um, it you can do that here. Does that make New Hampshire like Iraq? Whatever. All I want is freedom, and I'm not too concerned uh, with all these silly laws about guns. And he's saying that we have to have some gun laws. No, we don't have to have some gun laws. Only lawyers and government people that want to control you uh, would say something like that. 
because they think that all of a sudden by passing a law they can change things. And really all they do by passing a law is making it is make it so the law abiding citizens will give up their guns because criminals won't do it. Criminals won't give up their guns and uh, they'll still be able to find them on the black market even if you even if you close down all of the gun shops. Right, it's not like the guns are going to disappear off the streets of America just because you've decided to pass laws against uh, people have owning them. Think about all the drugs that disappear from the evidence room in the police department. Imagine how many guns will disappear from the evidence room in the police department when corrupt cops go in there and take loads of guns out and resell them on the streets to the criminals. It, it happens with drugs. You don't think it would happen with guns? Are the cops, the corrupt cops, all of a sudden going to become more honest because guns have been outlawed instead of drugs? Come on, it's silly. It doesn't make any sense. 800-259-9231. So you just let me have my freedom to, uh, to carry a gun if I want to. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I want to have that choice. And also, I want to be able to choose, as a private property owner, what sort of rules I can have on my property. If I decide I don't want people with guns coming into my business, I can make that choice. If I decide I want to encourage people with guns to come into my business, I can make that choice too. And you, as a a similarly free individual, can choose to not patronize my business. You see someone with a gun on their hip that makes you uncomfortable? Tell me as the manager. Say, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm going next door. I'm going across the street to your competitor. Let the market handle it. I, I would think so. I mean, there's plenty of companies that uh, have policies against people uh, carrying guns. I know Disneyland, um, Disney World is, uh, doesn't, doesn't allow guns in there, in their uh, property. That's fine. Let's go to Richard in Texas. Uh, you're on Free Talk Live with Ida Mark. Hello, Richard. How are you doing today, fellas? Great. What's on your mind? All right. I just want to ask you about those uh, camps that were built by Halliburton. And uh, do you think there's really 800 of them plus? Uh, I've never I've never heard that number. You're referring to there was a contract that Halliburton subsidiary KBR signed with the federal government. I think it was about two years ago at this point. That right. essentially said that when they're called for, they will build essentially detention camps or concentration camps. The the camps, to my knowledge, have not been built. The contract is sort of an on call sort of thing where um, they will be built when the the government requests them to. And I guess the suggestion is that they're going to use them in some sort of an Im, like an immigration mass immigration emergency or something like that. That's the excuse. Whether they'll throw Muslims in them, I don't know what their plans are for these camps. The contract is real. Are the camps real yet? I I honestly have no idea. But it was, an, heard, it was a 300. Uh, by the way, it was a 300 million dollar contract. And just the, right. considering the way government spends money, I'd expect you might get no more than 10 camps for that money. Certainly not 800. <laughs> right. I heard Dr. Bill Deagle say on his show that he's actually viewed several camps that were so big that it, farther than I could see, they were like panoramic view type uh, camps. Well, anyone can get on the radio and claim anything. So, well, I mean, you know, he's fairly. Legitimate, Bill. You know Dr. Bill Deagle is. No, I no. I don't know him. He's you know he's he, a guy he has with one the radio, radio shows. Right. Sure. Like I say, anybody can get their own radio show if they work hard enough at it, and then they can get on the air and claim whatever they want without actually having to show evidence of it. I've seen some of the so-called evidence of these of these camps, and one of them turned out to be an, an Amtrak repair yard in Indiana. <laughs> I mean, there's right. just you know they there there are people out there that are, are paranoiacs, and you know they'll believe anything they're told, and then they'll go right along and pass on that information uh, to other people. To my knowledge, nobody's being thrown in concentration camps yet in America. It could happen. Right. It's happened in our past, so that doesn't mean it should be ruled out, but let's be careful and not believe everything we're told. Richard, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I mean, it's it's certainly a sexy sort of a story. It certainly got sizzle. I can't imagine 800 uh, 
concentration camps, prison camps are uh, built across America, and we don't, nobody's heard anything about it, and they're just sitting empty. That doesn't make much sense. Let's go to Eric in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Eric. Hello. What's on your mind? Guys, guys, this isn't goddamn Lebanon. Goodbye. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to David in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Oh, honey, you know, um, as much as uh, your conversation's been interesting, I'd rather talk about Gonzalez. Uh, did you catch any oh, of the hearings boy. this week? Hell um, no. I don't watch politics. I, I, I haven't watched on TV. I've read the uh, articles on it. What about uh, it? Well, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the more you study the Bush administration, uh, they're either organized crime or a pack of saboteurs. Well, I can't and imagine that uh, all any, I can't imagine way. any administration could be described as anything less. Well, yeah, and it, it, so the the whole idea that these people have taken all of our property, uh, you know, the taxes that got paid in just a couple of days ago are being spent on them, and uh, mm-hmm. so the whole idea of uh, Gonzalez being able to make sure that the district attorneys and the judges that are picked are going to be stacking the deck, uh, stacking the deck against the taxpayers and stacking it for organized crime. So there were a couple of different things that were both funny and, and pretty sad. Okay. Uh, the funny thing was uh, he was asked this question about why they fired the uh, uh, federal attorney from, um, from Nevada. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Nevada, you know, that's Las Vegas and Reno. And uh, and Gonzalez actually had the gall to say, well, you know, the guy wasn't studying obscenity enough in Nevada. Hmm. Now, I thought that was the reason why people go to Nevada. Is to right. get a little bit- it is the la- land of sand, sin, and sun. Well, you have to understand this is a this is essentially a a government that has taken obscenity as one of their wars. They've got an unspoken war on obscenity. They've been bringing people up on so-called obscenity charges. So it sounds like he was angry he wasn't charging enough people with the this so-called crime. Well, you know, I obviously they've got to cover uh their asses for any number of the different crimes that they're up to. So it's it's almost uh I I mean it was actually laughable to think that obscenity was going to be an issue with those people uh, and that it would be such a legitimate issue that uh, studying obscenity in Las Vegas is... You, I'm just curious. Why? I mean, you watched this guy being interviewed? Oh, yeah, clearly. Why? Yeah, well, the reason being, you know, it, the, the layers of crimes that uh, the Bush administration are up to, I, you know, I've, I've listened to GCN for many years, and, you know, people who are involved in the gold movement... Are, are very much interested in having America based upon some kind of a legitimate economy, right? Mm-hmm. And so the people behind uh, Bush are very much interested in a false economy that is either completely controlled by organized crime or completely controlled by... Um, you know, the machinations of... Well, you know, uh, I mean, but you, you, you're highlighting out the Bush administration, but the same things were going on under Clinton. The same things were going on under Reagan. I mean, the the, the inflation was happening. The fiat currencies were being printed. I mean, it's, it's been the same for decades. I mean, this oh, yeah, just happens absolutely. to be the current administration. The reason why I asked my question of you was that, you know, these guys, they'll sit around, they'll ask him a bunch of tough questions. They're grilling Alberto Gonzalez. And, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll just fire him. Maybe he'll get yep. thrown to the wolves. They'll sacrifice they'll him, him on, the, uh, on the altar of... Uh, you well, know, and then everybody will say, all right, we got that guy. And then what will happen? They'll bring another scumbag in to replace him. And then even if Bush lose, you know, Bush is going to obviously not be elected in 2008, whoever the next scumbag is will bring in their 
scumbag friends to rule over everybody in America, and nothing will change, which is why I say it's just a waste of time to even watch those things. No, 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 it's not a waste of time, because we own America. And these guys are wasting our money, and they're stealing it, and they're then using... I agree uh, with you, but sitting around watching that on C-SPAN isn't going to do anything to make me more money. Thanks for the call. We're done for uh, this week. See you Monday night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.